0: Welcome to a special edition of Osaden Talk. This episode features the legendary footballer Michael Owen. Michael speaks football, life, and the blockchain. Let's talk. Hi everyone, it's Michael Owen here. Uh, thanks very much for joining me on my very first Twitter uh space i'm really excited about this nft project we're working on tonight we're going to be talking about my life my career my goals and why i'm putting it all together in a one-off collection of nfts firstly i would like to hand over to one of my co-hosts andy who is one of the co-founders of my nft partners osiden um who will run through the plans for tonight over to you andy
1: Thank you so much, Michael. We appreciate you opening up your spaces and talking with us. Um, we have some really exciting things going on. So again, thank you. We also have Mr. Pete Graves in the house, who that's huge for everyone. I'm sure in this spaces chat as well. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk football. We're gonna talk your life. Um, we're gonna talk your legacy. Um, we're gonna talk NFTs and what we're doing as far as the blockchain is concerned. And um yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna have some fun. It's gonna be really laid back and and uh, let's do it. So yeah, I mean Michael, give us uh I guess we could start it off with just some basic questions. You know, tell us about tell us about your career and what's the what's the goal behind behind you know your legacy. You know, what are you trying to 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 produce Present, I guess. Um, you know, how did you decide? How did you come to the decision to do a project like this, and 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 put all your 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 soccer football, um, you know, your legacy kind of out there for people to see?
0: Well, this will be the first time I've actually had a chance to reflect on uh, on my career goals. I'm reliably informed that there's been two hundred and sixty three of them, which is uh. Which is, yeah, it's not a number that I had uh, etched in my brain. I must say, Andy, as well, that I'm not one of these uh, footballers that that watches all my goals and games back or haven't throughout my career. So it's going to be quite an interesting time for me, looking back at the 263 goals um, and just jotting down and having a chat about the memories of them. I mean, I'm sure they'll all come flooding back to me once I see them. I'll remember certain ones for, for maybe being in a drought and this one got me out of a drought or this one was when I was at the top of my game et cetera et cetera so I'm actually really looking forward to, to going over those two hundred and sixty three goals and uh yeah and 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 talking about them
1: yeah i mean that's a that's a serious you know accomplishment two hundred and sixty three and you were you were you played for quite a while um and you know what you know just just your yeah you know, your record alone, you know playing for two different teams etc like you know it's 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 definitely a huge legacy and for you to sit down and actually dictate um each goal that cannot be easy um you know to go back in time like that and to to you know kind of revisit feelings and emotions i it's got to be it's got to be incredible for you um i can't even imagine it is it's really exciting
0: um to to look back, for for one, as I say, I would probably, if you asked me to uh, remember, remember a certain amount of my goals, I'd probably say, well, probably 80 to 100 of them. But as I say, 263, I can't remember a lot of them. So to describe them, uh, to have them embedded in the, uh, in the NFT, I think is quite a, a unique thing. Um, and I'm really looking forward to go through that process. It was not so long ago I wrote a book, actually, and it was such a therapeutic um, process to go through. And I think going back over all my old, old goals and and, uh, and talking about them is going to be quite a, a nice thing to do. So I'm really looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, Pete, do you do do you know anyone like I don't? I mean, I follow soccer to an extent, but you know, you're the authority here. Um, do you know anyone who has done anything like this in the past where they've gone back well, into I mean, a career was, such as uh, Michael's?
2: Yeah, sorry um, to interrupt. I was, I was quite surprised uh, to hear Michael use the word drought uh, at the start there. <laughs> there wasn't there weren't many Michael, was there? I mean, he, he, incredible goal record. For, for I think throughout his entire career, averaged about one in two, which is a sensational record scoring goals. Um, I actually, Michael, watched quite a lot of your your Goals today, as I was sitting at home, and uh, I, I am that kind of person that sits and watches goals back on YouTube. So, I've you know, I've probably watched all of your 263, but um, no, particularly as a young player, I mean, he was absolutely lightning, electric pace, incredible finisher, had everything that you'd want. And I think me and Michael are similar ages, so I was sitting at home watching. Him emerge as a as a player and just I think living every young boy's dream and I think that's what's so incredible about Michael's story. I remember Jamie Carragher saying to me, Michael, actually, when you broke into the Liverpool youth team and everyone saw you as this sort of small guy, you know, young, you were younger than the other players as well. But uh, I remember him saying to me that you you started munching through tackles and you you were really physical as well, and they knew that there was a great player that they had on their hands, and it proved to be the case and you know i think uh, you look at the career in in that late 90s you know early early 2000s i mean there were a few better if well you won the ballon d'or in 2001 that's the world's greatest player so there's no bigger achievement um and uh, yeah it was just it was a pleasure to watch you emerge and, and watch your career and and just, you know, those Liverpool days particularly, I mean, it was just always so exciting to watch. Unfortunately, I, obviously I'm a Newcastle fan and I saw him come to St James's Park in a Liverpool shirt uh, and, uh, and and caused a lot of damage there as, as a young player as well. And then he came back as a, as a Newcastle player years later. And I know Michael, haven't spoken to him, will be the first time. It, that move didn't work out the way he wanted to, but he, he had a number of injuries at that time. But... I certainly enjoyed Michael watching your uh, your goals back from your Liverpool days this morning, and, and and like I said, I don't think there was anyone better on on the planet at the time.
0: Well, thank you, Pete. Thanks for your kind words. Uh, nice to nice to hear from you. Um, yeah, I mean those those early years, of course, were were when I felt like I was at the top of my game. Uh, as you rightly said, the, the longer my career went on, the, the harder it became for me. Injuries started to slow me down a bit, and of course. One of my key attributes was my was my pace, so um, that so that harmed me later on in life. But still, I still had some great moments later in my career. But as you rightly say, end of the nineteen hundreds, um, and early two thousand was when I was at my peak, and I probably that's why I don't remember so many of my goals. I reckon, Pete, that you uh, you remember a lot more than me, especially if you've been watching a few this morning because it was so long ago. But yeah, that was when I was at my peak, and that's when I want. Everybody to remember me in, in many ways. In many ways, uh, when I was when I was scoring those goals, and, and as you say, Newcastle had a, a particular. Uh, I was particularly fond of, fond of that place. Not only playing for them, but in my early days, I seemed to score against them all the time as well. So St James's was a particular favourite place of mine.
2: I was just uh, watching your England goals as well, and and obviously there's so many great nights in your career. That that night against Germany, uh, you know, scoring the hat trick. Uh, just, uh, and I, I noticed that sort of understanding you had with so many of the midfielders, particularly Steven Gerrard on that night. He just seemed to be able to always find you. There was a, sort of that connection that you'd obviously built up at Liverpool. But, I mean, if you were to pick a... A moment in your career that sticks out as the moment, the, the, the sort of pinnacle, um, you know. And I, I know that that's, that's what this whole project's all about. It's about you sort of trying to immortalise, you know, sort of your your career in, in this way, which is really interesting and, and it's a it's a fascinating idea. But what's the moment that sticks
0: in your mind as, as I guess your your proudest proudest night? Pete, it's really hard to uh, to pick one. I think. What I suppose I'm most proud about in my career is that I had moments where people come up to me and say, I remember where I was when. Uh, and I think to have moments like that was, is, is really special. I mean, everybody remembers where they were when I scored a hat-trick against Germany uh, and we won 5-1, let's say. Everyone remembers where they were when I scored that goal against Argentina. Everybody talks to me. If you're a Man United fan, everybody reminds me of that goal in Fergie time or in, if you're a Liverpool fan, the season of 2001 where we won all those trophies and a particular favourite of mine was was uh, scoring the two goals in the dying minutes against Arsenal to come from one behind to, to win 2-1 when they were such a great team at the time. Uh, and then places like Real Madrid scoring in El Clasico and whatever. It was just so, so many moments that I, I find it really hard. I think the the, the moment that changed my life was was no doubt uh, the goal against argentina in in ninety eight. Um, and it didn't change my life on the pitch, I suppose. i I think it just changed everybody's opinion of me, the way people looked at me, treated me, um, and off the pitch it, it it really did change my life that you know that the intrusion into my life, the Little things like the amount of fan mail you get and you sat up all hours trying to just reply to everybody that, that takes the time to write to you. All these different tiny little things that people don't really realise. It just changed my life totally. As soon as I crossed the white line, though, that was my office. That was just business as normal. But my life certainly changed in 98 after that moment. And as I say, just to have some, some other standout moments. Scoring in all the derbies I played in, there's another, you know, great, uh, achievement that I really enjoyed you know the and Weir derby the Manchester derby the Merseyside derby the Madrid derby you know El Clasico all those derbies were were huge games as well so loads of moments Pete and uh, yeah thanks for reminding me of a few of them
2: oh no it's a pleasure you know I, I'm thinking of 98 as well I, I remember it. <clears throat> so he said he became the most famous famous man in uh, in you know, so certainly in England at that time and it went on one bbc sports personality of the year and I was people who are from the uk will, will know what a, what a sort of prestigious thing that was certainly then and, and you know it is, still is today but um yeah, to, how was that coping with with, with the fame you, you mentioned the intrusion all the fan mail but i mean that must have been tough on a you know a, basically it still is so that must have been a a real a real sort of tricky time to to navigate through, I guess, with you for you and in your family.
0: It was. I think it's really important at that stage to have a, a really good team around you, a good family. I would like to to uh, to say that my I mean my parents, my brothers, my sisters were just you know amazing for me at that time. I just you don't you don't realize it. You just think you're in a in a normal family, but my mum and dad were just absolute experts i mean my dad had been a, a footballer himself but of course uh, that was in the the lower leagues let's say um division 1 division 2 of of today's football which was division 3 and 4 back in the uh, back in his time but my mum and dad were were brilliant role models for me i had a great team around me i employed an agent actually quite early only on the say so of of uh, of my club liverpool they almost demanded that I get an agent. They could obviously see potential in me. So they said that I've got to get someone that's going to look after me. And again, thankfully I, uh, I chose wisely. I met four or five different agents and I ended up going with, uh, with a guy called Tony Stevens, who at the time looked after David Platt, Alan Shearer, Dwight York, David Beckham. So I was really going into, uh, to the elite of, uh, of, of, of agents really. And he, uh, and he was a huge help as well at the time. But yeah, from a, from a personal point of view, it totally changed my life. But I would like to think that it. I'd like to think that I stayed the same. Um, I'd like to think I was still the same brother. There's still the same, you know, son and, and um, you know, and all those things, you know, it, it, it's very easy to get your head turned. It's very easy to drive to, to training and, or drive to a game and have, 50,000 people singing your name and think you're special, think you're different to everybody else. And as much as you've got to have that arrogance, that confidence to be able to to perform at the highest level, I would like to think when I turned my car around and drove home, I was still the same lad and I've still got the same friends. And, you know, my best mate, we've been best mates since, apparently since we're about two months old. My my wife, we've been together since we were, you know, babies as well type of thing. You know, we've, we have we lived 10 doors apart, Um so, like, I've got those relationships that that last a lifetime, and they've never changed. I think they've always been really important to me, Pete.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. And you can see that. You, yeah, you have been. I think it's very difficult with football fans because. Fans can often build players up and and, and and sort of smash players down, as you know all too well. But uh, yeah, your family and your friends and the people around you are the, are the most important because they're the ones that that know the real Michael Owen. Uh, and I guess that's kind of it brings it nicely onto this project. And I know the guys from Asiden are going to talk more about the details because I'm going to be honest with you, Michael. I, I've I, I could talk to you about football all night, but when it came to this this sort of NFT thing, I was in, a bit in the dark and I was shocked. At- Walking the dog with my ten-year-old son, he seemed to know an awful lot about it, and he explained in great detail exactly what what it was. And actually, this was this was a week ago, and uh, I'm quite intrigued by it all. But what what's it? What's um what's inspired you to get involved?
0: Well, I mean, obviously Andy's on the call as well, and he'd be uh, he'd be far more um, knowledgeable on on NFTs as, uh, than me. But I have followed this space quite carefully over. Over time, it's obviously a fascinating new world that we live in, changing all the time. And when I first heard about NFTs a a few, you know, a year or so ago, then it's, um, you know, it it blows your mind, really. And I'm still learning, learning about it. I mean, in terms of mine, I wanted to tell my story about a special time, obviously, in my life, um, but in a way that would, would, would stand the test of time. Now, of course, every NFT will be unique and will include videos of me describing every one of my goals along with excerpts from my autobiography. We also wanted to make sure that every NFT bought includes a physical gift as well, things like limited edition watches, signed memorabilia, meet and greet sessions and, and many other benefits. So it was, yeah, it, it's a space that I'm relatively new into. I would probably say I I, I know a fair bit, but as I say, Andy would be the, uh, the absolute expert on these. But it's it's a space that I'm really keen to uh, to get into. And, and, of course, there's a lot of interest all around the world on, on on NFTs at the moment.
1: Yeah, so I can jump in for a minute. So Michael approached us as Osidon. So let me give you a little bit of a little, little breakdown on who we are. So we're a blockchain technology provider, um, company, et cetera. Um, and we are bringing special things and different things and and taking blockchain and innovating and taking it to the next level. So Michael approached us and through, through networking and friends, and he wanted to do something different that's really never been done before. So right now, the NFT, I'm sure everybody knows what it is. They hear about it on the news. They hear about it on the Internet. You know, they read about it. There's a lot of things going on with NFTs. And in it, what's happening right now is that everyone thinks it's just a picture or a video. And there's a kind of a, what's happening is these other, the people that are putting out these NFT projects, they're, they're becoming almost complacent and it, it becomes a very, it's it's becoming exploited and and, and it's becoming very lazy. So being Osiden and a innovative company as we are, we're gonna take this NFT And we're going to push it to its fullest potential. So an NFT, in essence, is a smart contract. And internally in the smart contract, you can add multiple files, different formats of files, whether it's a PNG or a video or an MPEG or a PDF. And we're going to throw Michael's legacy as a football player and All of his 263 goals are going to be literally immortalized on the blockchain. Different aspects of each goal. okay? There's going to be a picture. There's going to be a video. There's going to be art attached to it. Now, if you look at some of these other projects, and there's some out there that I'm sure you're very familiar with that have not done very well. There's some other ones that have done very well. Um, we we we're, we're gonna flip. The, we're trying to flip the script on this. So this is gonna be literally Michael's biography, his his legacy, his everything that he did as far as his career is gonna be thrown into this technology, and it's gonna be broadcast to the people in a way that it's never been done before. As far as NFT is concerned, um, we're gonna be we're gonna be. Um, literally immortalizing him is what's is what's happening. Unless the power goes out and there's no more electricity, um, you know, this thing will never die. Plus the fact that this is going to be a super-duper rare experience. So if you're a collector and you're looking at some of these other, other NFT projects that have 10,000 pieces or 8,000 pieces, this collection that's coming out that is going to be Michael's, you know, NFT project or 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 legacy there is only going to be 1263 pieces and never any more so there's going to be different tiers there's going to be levels there's going to be multiple things that are going to be included physical as well as non-physical and digital so you're going to be you able know, there's a chance for you to possibly meet michael there's a, a chance that you're going to be able to meet osideon Um, possibly maybe even Pete, you know, we don't know where it's going to go. We're still working on the details, but, but this is good. This is the thing. This is how we're going to be presenting this. And, you know, when when you think NFTs, you know, you, you you think you automatically think of apes or dogs or cats or whatever, you know, birds, this is not going to be that. This is going to have some next level technology attached to it, as well as some very rare, unique items that has never been done before. Michael's going to dictate each one of his goals. So all 263 are going to be talked about, and then you, if you were to contribute and want to own one of these collectible goals, so to speak, there's going to be multiple things included with that. You're going to get a voice of Michael explaining the goal. You're going to get the video. You may be eligible to buy the, to get the watch that's associated with the, that particular goal. It's pretty incredible what we're doing, um, and and you know I'm I'm excited because I'm a techie right so i don't you know i know sports and, and i know some some of soccer but you know just doing this project from a technical standpoint there's nothing ever nothing has ever been done like this before so for us to tap this different direction and go in this different direction with non-fungible tokens it's just very exciting for myself as well as my partners um, and that's kind of that's kind of the whole the whole nft side of it
2: uh, and it's 100% carbon neutral as well that's right
1: Yes, yes, that's a very big deal. So these days, you know, minting an NFT on certain blockchains becomes very bad for the environment. It's very, very carbon negative. We are flipping that. So every time something is minted with this very rare project, we are going to be flipping the negative, the negative impacts on the environment. And we have made it a 100% green project. We're going to be buying carbon credits. There's a whole bunch of other things we're going to be doing. We have some companies that are involved that we're talking with, and we're going to take the the negative environmental impact of this project and and turn it around.
2: And, and talking about the negatives as well, I suppose, what, what's going to make – because you read, don't you? There's, this, there'll be some people listening to this who are still very skeptical about the whole thing, um, and you do read some sort of negative stories involving – other well-known people. What's going to make Michael's project different?
1: The difference is, I think, it's going to be number one is going to be the rarity. Number two is going to be the way it's presented, as far as internally in the smart contract and NFT itself, um, and then just the fact that n- n- nothing like this has ever been done. I I, I don't know any other, you know, global uh, high-profile person that's taken their their legacy, their biography, their, you know, everything that's happened with them as far as their sports career, um, and 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 dictated this. Unless you're writing a book or making a documentary, it's pretty much Michael's documentary thrown onto a new and exciting technology that, yes, there is negative effects on the environment, and there's a lot of heat coming down from people, the environmentalists and people that are, you know, very earth conscious. Um, but but, in what we're doing is we're gonna flip that so it does not have a negative and it's going to be actually carbon neutral, and it's not going to affect the environment as as bad as some of these other projects are doing doing.
2: Michael, obviously we're gonna be reflecting on all of your goals on this, which is going to be really exciting. but what what were your favorite type of goals? I mean, you mentioned the one, 98 in the World Cup, you, you know, you're taking on players and beating players. And then the finish was there for that one as well, right in the top corner. But were you one of those guys that, that prefer the goals where it's sort of a, a long, mazy run, which shown a bit of skill or, or did you, you score quite a few as well outside the box, top corner? What What's the, because the, guys, listen, have never played the game at top level, including myself. But what's it like to,
0: what are the best goals to score? What gives you the biggest buzz on the pitch? Well, Peter, I mean, the ones that I like to score be from 30 yards out with loads of power right into the top corner, but it wasn't my strength. <laughs> uh, I didn't score many from outside the box, but I think I think the ones that I practised um, most were, were one-on-ones. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, the ball, it's an instinctive job is, is being a centre-forward. When the ball drops, you've got to know where it's going to drop, when it's going to drop, where it's going to drop, and it's quite an instinctive thing, but one thing that I did practice, which is not instinctive really, is is uh, is one on ones. Is when you're going through with the keeper to beat, you've got a little bit of time to think about it, and it's. I often think that the more you do that as a as a child, as you know that when you're growing up, the, the the better you get, and and there's no question about it. The certain finishes that you need to to have that instinct, you need to be born with that that touch, that feel, that you know, that that instinct that I spoke about. But there are certain finishes as well. There's no question about it. That you can practice, you can... If you look at the Premier League at the moment, look at certain players. Let's take Mo Salah, the the, the top scorer in the uh, in the Premier League at the moment, that's probably going to win the, the golden boot. Well, look at him when he was 19, 20, 21, and you tell me that he was a good finisher. I mean, it's impossible that you could look, look at me with a straight face and say that. But his finishing has improved no end. He's actually now become a, a real, very, very good finisher, in in a lot of situations. So there are certain types of finishes that you can practice. Me personally, um, I used to go through one-on-one, you know, in, in my local team, probably five, six, seven times a game, and I learned which finishes were my favourite. So I rarely went round the goalkeeper, Pete, in my uh, my time. I didn't really enjoy that finish only because I had you know it was uh, i'd practiced it a lot of the time uh, i used to like taking what the goalkeeper would think would be a big touch and then he thought he could come and smother it but obviously i was quite quick so i would get there a little bit early but what i would do by taking that big touch is is i would suck him into diving at my feet and i would get there early and i would dink it over him and that became a staple diet of mine really the the, the dink finish i always also used to like just opening my body out and curling it into the far corner. I mean, it's generally where the keeper leaves most space. Uh, and if you're coming in off the left-hand side on your right foot, then that's a great area as a right-footed player to be coming in. And you open your body out, and and you can actually feed it outside the, the post and let the bend, like you know, just bend it in to give the keeper not much chance of getting it. So yeah, there's certain finishes that that I would practice, but a lot of them, Peter's is where they land and, and how you time your runs to get there and things like that. And and that all comes from practice.
2: I'm going to ask you a tough one now, right, Michael? Um, you won the, obviously you won the Premier League golden boot twice. I think you won just about everything there is to win in the, 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 the domestic game. You won the treble in 2001 with Liverpool. So you won the FA Cup, the League Cup, the UEFA Cup. You won the League Cup a few times, actually. Of course, you won the Premier League as well when you were at Manchester United. And, um, the ballon d'or 2001. Uh, out of all the things you won though i know you mentioned the michael owen final as they they still call it in 2001 but what was the what's the one thing you won in your career that means more than anything else. Uh,
0: well i think in isolation you would normally say you know the the the, the premier league is probably the biggest trophy uh, or the ballon d'or of course is probably the most iconic and you know, as an individual award, that has to stand above. I mean, you know, the Ballon d'Or is, uh, as you mentioned before. I mean, to be voted as best player in the world for a specific year is is everything I dreamed of. I mean, I always used to say to my dad, you know, I want to be the best player in the world. I didn't ever say I wanted to be a footballer. I wanted to be the best player in the world. I was almost taken as a given that I was going to be a footballer. So that was, as an individual, that was that was the one. But if you if you look at the trophies that I won, even though something like the Premier League is the biggest, I mean, if you, if you said you're you're only allowed to keep one medal that you've you've earned over the years, I'd probably keep the FA Cup final, um, not because it's the biggest, not because it's the best, but just that memory of that day, you know, against the Invincibles of Arsenal, um, and the way that the game panned out, and everything about it I mean bear in mind the FA Cup growing up for me was just the be all and end all I know it's lost a little bit of its shine in recent years because the Champions League the Premier League has, has taken over it's just become so important to win those two but back when I was young the FA Cup final day was the day of all days it was you know the household would just stop all our relatives would come round. I would dribble around the tree in the, in the front garden that we had and smack the ball into the garage at half-time, run round the back again, screaming to everyone that I've just scored the winning goal in the FA Cup final. So it was what I was what I was brought up with. So that, to me, is my most treasured... Not because of what it is, but just because how the day unfolded. It was just the most magical day. And as I say, if I could live one day again... Um It would be that one. it was just unbelievable.
2: I think there's a few Liverpool fans behind that goal that would probably want to relive that one again over and over again as well as two brilliant finishes in such a short space of time. Uh, any regrets from your career if you, if you did it all again, would you do anything differently
0: it's a really hard one because you know hindsight is obviously a wonderful thing um you know part of me thinks. You know, I would have loved to have stayed at Liverpool for a long, you know, for for, for my career. But then part of me thinks, wow, I had experiences that that other people didn't. That, you know, um, going over to Real Madrid was just, how can you say no? I mean, I could be on this call now, Pete, and say, do you know what? When I was about 23, 24, whenever it was, Real Madrid asked me to play for them in that unbelievable stadium, in that amazing kit, different country, different food, different weather. Zidane was playing for them and Figo, Beckham, Roberto Carlos, Ronaldo, Raul, all these great players. And I said, no, I mean, and you'd think, nah, pull the other one, you're lying. But, and that's why I I decided I've just got to go and sample it. I mean, it was the most magical, iconic club at the time in the world of football, Uh, all the Galacticos there. And it was just something that I thought, I've got to go and try that. It was a, a heavy heart that I left Liverpool, but I just thought I can always come back. You know, hopefully I, you know, do one or two years out there and then come back. And that was my plan. But so there are sort of things that you think, well, if that didn't happen, what if? But I wouldn't say regret, Pete, because they were all decisions that I made at the time that were, you know, that were the right decision for that moment. And, you know, uh, I guess... One things you do, or some things you do regret. a so, uh, uh, the odd injury, you know, you think, should I have come back when I wasn't quite ready here, and that eagerness to get back onto the pitch, and you do more damage, and, and things like that, and eventually that slowed me down and 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 hurt. But um, but yeah, loads of loads of little things like that. But I don't think I, I sit there and thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done this or that. It was it, all decisions that I made were were the right thing at the time, and and you just got to get on with it and look forward
2: and do you think in a way that that's what shapes you as a ultimately as a, as a person and as a, as a human as a man is that even the, the the criticism you may have faced at times of your career like you say you've been at the very very top you've've you've, you've, you've faced tough times as well and um, you've been everyone's favorite player you've been probably at times uh, had, had a lot of criticism thrown away from the media from supporters um but is that what should sort have of shapes you as well that is sort of you have to have the negative times in your life, don't you? I suppose to appreciate the good times. I guess it must make you a
0: more rounded
2: sort of
1: individual.
0: Yeah, it, it absolutely does. I mean, it gives you thick skin for starters, but I don't care who you are. I mean, if, even if you're blooming Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, look at the things that will, people will be saying about them now. You know, people saying things about Ronaldo or he shouldn't be doing this. And he, you know, Manchester United are... Are not as good with him and all these rubbish things that you, and and you know here's a player that has stood the test of time he's reached the absolute pinnacle of his career he'll go down or these players will go down as as two of the greatest we've all seen and we're all so lucky to live in their era but even now they'll be taking stick I mean if if Paris Saint-Germain get knocked out the Champions League which they they did the other day then there's loads and loads of lines on on Messi and you know he's not as good as he was and all these things so it just does not matter who you are what you are what you've done you're going to get crit- if you're in the if you're in right at the top of your sport or in if, top of if, of anything look at the prime minister look at whoever you know if you're in the public eye you are going to get criticism and that's just a, a price you pay for for having you know nice things said about you as well you've just got to be a rounded person so I accepted that. Sometimes it was hard. Sometimes you feel you're being unfairly treated. They can question your personality or you question your your values and things like that. That's when it hurts. You, you know, if you play poorly and that that's fine. But yeah, I think uh, all those things have been character building, let's say, and make you certainly a, a more rounded person.
2: I've got to ask you, because a few people have tweeted me as well, just asking for um, a word on the horses. <laughs> we We know you're really passionate about... About the horses, the, the the flat race seasons are up and running. And any tips I'm being asked here, Michael? Any horses <laughs> to look out for?
0: It's such an exciting time at the minute, Pete. Our season or the flat season. Obviously, we've just had Cheltenham, uh, been and gone. That's the jumps, of course, and that's uh, that's certainly not what what we do. We we're all we're solely a flat stable. Um, and I'm sure for those uh, listening in, then um, I'm sure there's a few racing fans out there. We. Uh, I've just signed a, a a trainer called Hugo Palmer, who's uh, who's absolutely right at the top of the uh, top of the, the the game when it when it comes to great trainers out there. He's a multiple Group One winner, a multiple Classic winning trainer. He's just you know a real top operator. So really exciting times at the moment. I've had about eighty five horses at my stables for the last ten years, and uh, and with this switch with Hugo coming and, and joining us, we've now got about 145 horses. So it's a a different operation, which has been taking a lot of my time lately, but we've got some really good horses. We've got a horse called Dubawi Legend, who's uh, at the minute being aimed at the the 2000 guineas. He's a really good horse. Um, We've got a horse called uh, Ebro River, who won a group one last year in Ireland, who's obviously uh, very talented himself. Uh, We've got a horse called Mr. McCann, who six of the Liverpool players all own, and he's been brilliant last year. The likes of uh, Jordan Henderson, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Lalana, James Milner, Andy Robertson, uh, and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, those six all own him. He won three races, I think, last season, and we've actually got our eye on the derby with him, so he might be running the derby, which will be the most incredible story of if he gets to the derby. Um, So, yeah, so we've got a lot of, Sir Alex Ferguson's just bought a horse with us as well. So, some good horses. So, hopefully we have a big season.
2: Great stuff. Well, look, from from me, I just, Michael, I'll sign off by saying, it was was always a a pleasure watching you play football, uh, then getting to meet you when you were at Newcastle. And I know you, you had a tough time there with injuries and so on, but, you're always so great to deal with as I was a sort of young journalist as well at the time. And I was pretty great to deal with and um, you know, I, I just can't wait to see what this project uh, ends up being like. So uh, yeah, good luck with that as well. And it's, uh, it was, it was a pleasure to talk
1: to you tonight, but I guess I'll hand over to, to Andy from, aside as well to, to say the last few words yeah definitely i i was just curious michael do you ride the horses as well or is it just something do you race them it's uh like a do you, you own your own personal i mean i know you you know you do stabling and etc and you have you know it's like almost like an investment but what do, do you actually ride as well
0: <laughs> that's a good question that andy um thanks by the way, Pete, really kind words there, and um, yeah, thanks for your for your uh, time tonight as well. It's much appreciated. Um, yeah, Andy, I uh, I don't ride as a rule. No, uh, I'm a little bit too heavy nowadays. But what I did do a few years ago is I rode in a charity race. I'd never sat on a horse in my life, but we had a one of the girls at um, my stables got um, poorly and, and sadly passed away. Um, so I decided to to take up the challenge of learning how to ride. I had to. Uh, learn how to ride within two months, and I had to l- lose about a stone and a half. So, and I raced in a, a, a race at Ascot, um, just in a charity race, and I came second. So it was the most amazing experience, and we raised a lot of money for for a uh, for a cancer charity as well, which was a uh, which was the main thing. But no, I leave that to the professionals, Andy. But I'm certainly uh, I'm certainly really ingrained in the sport, and obviously with the uh, with with my business, it's a, a real big passion of mine.
1: Yeah, that's. I was curious because I, you know, that, that's awesome. I, I, I have ridden a horse one time in my life, and it, it did not go well for me. <laughs> it was not fun. Um, but anyways, it was a long time ago, and maybe I'll try it again sometime. Maybe next time we meet up, we can, we can go check it out. We'll see. Um, anyways, yeah, thank you, Pete. You got, you're great. Um, I really appreciate you, you being here, Michael. Thank you so much for opening up your Twitter to us, to you know, share your, your, your story and your life and your legacy. We're gonna do this again, I believe. Um, in a couple of weeks, uh, when we get closer to the actual you know nft launch and 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 when when it will be available to people. um, let me just give you guys some brief information real quick. My name's Andy again. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of Oseidn. If you are interested or you are you know you want to be uh, you want to you want to grab one of these like ultra, you know, super rare. Um, collectibles, um, head over to OsidenLegends.com. It has all the information. has a sign-up sheet. You guys can put your information there so you guys get emails on the information as it comes out, um, as well as I have a podcast that is starting in about an hour and a half. Michael will be on that podcast as well. He's going to be listening in. We have some uh, really cool people that, that come on. Um, I think tonight we have Ken Shumrock, uh the Ultimate Fighting Championship uh, fighter, is going to be on the show, so that's pretty pretty exciting but but yeah, I just wanted to thank Michael um, and Pete and everybody for listening. Um, I'm really excited about this project like I said, the nFT is has kind of been given a bad name in some circles, and we're gonna flip that script. Um, the technology is 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 super advanced and and what we're going to be doing with you know Michael and and just throwing his life out there and and his sports career and just kind of you know putting his legacy. Um, in, into a collectible that people can hold and, 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 and view. And just, it's just, it's, it's very exciting for me as well as my partners and my company, as well as Michael, you know, to have this immortalized for him on, on, on the new technology blockchain. It's like, it's like internet, right? It's like web 3.0. So, so it's just, it's very exciting for us. But again, yeah, Michael, thank you, Pete. Thank you. Um. I, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited. So definitely yeah, thanks, check, out,
0: check mean, out Michael. Just, uh, yes, I'm repeating really what I said earlier. I'm super excited about, um, about all this.
1: Um... Well, I think we've got a little connection issue. Okay. Yeah. We'll wrap it up guys. Thank you so much for being here and, um, you know, feel free to, to keep an eye on aside legends.com. It has all the information as well as Michael's Twitter. And you're going to, you guys are going to get some announcements coming in the next couple of weeks. And, um, Pete, thanks again. We really appreciate you being here as well, as well as all the listeners. Thank you so much for being here. And, um, we'll, we'll definitely see you guys soon. Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks everyone. Uh, it's a really enjoyed tonight. And, um, just to, to finish off saying we want to create a real unique collection. So I'm excited about it. As I said, every NFT bought includes a physical gift as well, which obviously makes us very different to everyone else. Um, and I'm super excited so thanks everyone for listening and we'll we'll catch you soon